everyone welcome back to the second shot all-american golf podcast i am your co-host tom here with my co-host phil phil how was your day today tom i'm good got one more day left of school so very very excited about that well good well good um today we have a very special guest we have uc's women's golf coach coach janet carl Uh, i'm looking forward to everyone being able to hear that she was an awesome guest Um, but first on to our shout-outs for this week. I'm going to kick it off here with our college teammate, Matty Ice, Matt Steens, with an albatross, number 12 at Pebble Creek, one of the worst tee shots uh, on any par 5 in the city. No offense, Pebble Creek. Um, 213 into the face, three hybrid into the hole, albatross. Congrats, Matty Ice. Happy for you. You and Matt have something in common, don't you? Which is? An albatross. Thanks for making me say it. Thanks, Phil. Number uh, seven at Circling Hills. Barely a par five, but it is a par five on the card, so we'll count it. To be fair, when you were playing it, it was more of a par five than it is now for you. That's true. That's true. (laughs) So uh, I'll go ahead and start our shot out with got to talk about the PGA Championship with uh, Phil Mickelson, the 50-year-old champion. Hoisting up the Wanamaker Trophy, holding off Brooks Kepka. What, what a finish on Sunday! Was that any good to watch? I mean, I was. Did we miss crowds or what? Man, that was awesome. I, they, I, I don't know if I liked them swarming the green. Yeah, it was tough. But I, yeah, it was a tough yeah. look for the PGA. But still, I, you know, I wasn't there, so I was enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I didn't realize how fun it would be to uh, listen to Brooks and. Uh, Bryson go after it. So uh, hopefully we learn more about that development. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but uh, we have some more shout outs. Uh, the next shout out we're going to do are the winners and runner ups of the Friendly Meadows Classic held at Friendly Meadows Golf Course, which I have some fond memories of. But first, we're going to go with the ladies. Uh, Riley Johnson was your champion for the 13 to 18 year old girls. Followed up by Alyssa Kerr winning the 10 to 12 age group, and then Savannah Blackmore winning the 7 to 9. So, congratulations, ladies. Runner ups to that for the 13 and through 18 was Rowan Pies, and then we had Claire Kerr being a runner up for the 7 to 9 year olds. So, well done to those. And then also, Ayla Bruger had a hole-in-one on number seven at Friendly Meadows. So congratulations to you. It's awesome. And then for the boys, Jackson Baker won the 16 to 18 age group. So congrats, Jackson. Michael DiStefano won the 13 to 15 age group, followed by Austin Nicholas with the 10 to 12 age group. And then Owen Ingle. 
winning the seven to nine year. So congrats to them. Austin, that's a two time shout out, big guy. He was yeah, on the, he was on the last one. He's racking up some player of the year points right that's, now. That's right. Yes. And then the runner ups for the boys were Andrew Wilson for the sixteen, eighteen year olds, Aiden Kennedy for the thirteen, fifteen year olds, and Brady Veith or Veith for the ten to twelve. So congrats. Absolutely, congrats for sure. And then one more shout out. Saw this. Thank you to the GCGA. But Dave Barr won the Senior SOPJ Individual Match Play Championship. I'm not a match player guy. So well done to you, Dave. That's that's quite an accomplishment. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you're not a match play guy. It's not your thing. Only if the course is too long for you, then I can take advantage of it. But if it's a short course, boy, <laughs> it's going to get ugly. <laughs> Well, again, if anyone has any shout-outs for our next episode, feel free to send them our way. But now on to our conversation with Coach Janet Carl. All right, everyone, please welcome our next guest. She is the head women's golf coach and the women's director of golf at the University of Cincinnati. Just finished up her 18th season. Coach Janet Carl. Coach, thank you for joining us. Uh, Glad to be here. If you could just get us started with, you know, what kind of got you into the game and and what led you to, you know, starting at UC? Sure. Um, Had a dad and brothers that I wanted to go hang out with in the evening time and not sit at home and play dolls with my sister. And so uh, I tagged along with them to the golf course and um, just really, you know, kind of fell in love with the game from that point forward. I still love going out at the end of a day and playing nine holes uh, as the sun setting, which I used to do a lot with them. Um, always enjoyed being on the golf course with all the guys and uh, just really, uh, you know, fell in love with the game. My dad um, is the one I say got me started. He had a rich history um, from not knowing the game of golf to the time that I came along. So it was really kind of fun to follow him and how he got involved in it. And uh, then I ended up um, playing at the University of Alabama. And um, I now um, actually am getting ready to leave to go teach at Pine Needles next week. And um, it'll be a, uh, my, probably my 25th season, I think of teaching down there with them. So I've gone from um, being a, a, um, playing, trying to play professionally and not being very successful at that to a teaching career and now, uh, moved on into coaching. Um, I was coaching at a high local high school and, uh, ended up, um, getting a call from UC wanting to know if I was interested in being the uh, golf coach. And, um, after six weeks of conversations, I finally went down for an interview and, I am here now, 18 years later. Now, you said you played at the University of Alabama. Are you from that area of the country? or is? Yeah, no, I actually grew up about an hour from here in a small town called Richmond, Indiana. Played at a wonderful little golf course, Forest Hills Country Club, with some of the slickest greens I've ever played in my entire life. And uh, I definitely know how to putt Lasantaville greens from putting <laughs> at Forest Hills. <laughs> so I, I, that was going to be one of the questions I was asking. So from where you were from, well, how does Cincinnati golf compare to how you grew up and playing? So 
fast greens is obviously right up your forte, huh? It is. And, uh, you know, just great, uh, bent grass greens and, um, you know, just, uh, good bent grass fairways and, uh, you know, love taking <laughs> good divots like we can do in this area. Not what we did at Alabama. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I just think this area, uh, I, of course, growing up, you don't understand where you are, what you're, what you have when you're there. And I think just if you take this whole area and throw a big circle around it, we just have some phenomenal golf courses and great opportunities and great golf courses to play. So it's a good area for that. For sure. Now you mentioned pine needles there a little bit. Phil and I actually, we go on golf trips down to uh, the Pinehurst area. Try to go every year. We love pine needles, mid pines. It's perfect. Um, Can Uh you talk to us a little bit about, you know, what you do down there, like in terms of the teaching and, you know, your teaching career? Sure. Um, So I, um, at Alabama, I, one of my college teammates was Peggy Kirkbell's youngest daughter, Peggy Miller. And, uh, her husband, Kelly, and I, uh, we were all at Alabama together. So um, after we got out of college and I um, had decided I needed to go the teaching route, not the playing route, um, I started into the LPGA teaching division. And um, she finally called up and asked me if I wanted to come up and teach. And um, it was just a, or I guess go down to Pinehurst and teach. And It was just a really uh, fun homecoming for me, Um, you know, having the opportunity to play that golf course in college once a month with people that that were on our team, men's and women's teams, uh, you know, a lot of very successful um, golfers uh, to have the chance to go back and do that. And for many, many years, Mrs. Bell was still alive and to get to be around her and and really help hone my teaching skills. with her and seeing the success that they've had in golf faris is just um, beyond your wildest <laughs> imagination. I mean, we used to do 160 women three weeks in a row, um, teaching all day, playing with them. Um, and they've now scaled it back, but we've been full with uh, 85, I think the last two weeks and have 85 coming up in this next school. So I go down there and do their schools. Um, my husband and I are also members down there. And I told him a long time ago, if I could play pine needles and mid pines, I'd never need another golf course. Um, I can just retire there. And I don't know if you all are familiar. They picked up Southern Pines Country Club now. And the renovation is just outstanding to look at. So I'm really excited to see what that's going to be about. Um, my teaching career got started. Um, I worked um, at a club down in Atlanta, Chateau Alon, and uh, then I ended up going into the golf school industry and worked uh, in Vermont and Crystal River, Florida for the golf school and uh, really kind of, again, honing my, my teaching and coaching uh, styles. And then I ended up moving up into uh, Cincinnati um, to actually run the LPGA Girls Golf uh, program when it first started at CRC and uh, did that and ended up the executive director for the LPGA of the junior programs worldwide for a couple of years there um, and just really knew that teaching was the area I wanted to go into. So I've enjoyed it every day since then. Pine Needles, they're hosting the 2022 U.S. Women's Open, correct? 
Yes, they are. I'm hoping a couple of our players might be have an opportunity to get there. That would be awesome. We played there, what was it? Was that like 2019, Phil, when they just put in like the new greens? They were rocks. It was very difficult to hit the screens. Oh. 2017, we played there. Yeah, oh my goodness. And believe it or not, the kid who struggles the most on the greens was the guy who shot the best that day. Yeah, and I, I don't know how the heck I did it. <laughs> that was uh, the senior women's open. I think they had maybe a 19. 18 or 19, it was right after that. And I can remember talking with several of my friends that played in the event. And they were like, these greens are the hardest greens we've ever seen. So uh, it took some filling in and working on it, but they got it ready now. Absolutely. And we got stuck in the, um, we had a, a frost lay. We got stuck in that old clubhouse. We were down in the game room for a good two hours. It was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just the pictures around there or something, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's really awesome. Yeah, well, I I was in heaven being a history major. I I don't think they understood how happy I was <laughs> that we had a long frost delay, but I I think they kind of <laughs> solved the problem that I have. But <laughs> <laughs> that's so, awesome. I know um, having the chance to be around Mrs. Bell and and you know kind of catching history from her. I alluded to my dad. Um, he actually caddied for Alice O'Neill Dye, Pete Dye's wife, uh, through 13 amateur championships in Indiana. And uh, so through those, I, you know, being connected up with PKB um, and being around her and just the history that she carried with her. And, you know, just for me, that was really something that really continued to drive me as a as a person because I see all that she did to um, elevate the game you know not specifically just for women but that's the area that she was in and um, to watch her teach these ladies um, it's just really something special to me and the history behind her and her connection with Babe Diedrichs and Zaharias and all of it's just a, a great opportunity for me and I really treasure the time I get to take the team down to Pinehurst and they get to Peggy uh, Miller puts the team up at her house often. And we play down there several times a year and for them to get to be around that, I hope it's some history. Maybe they'll become a little bit of a history buff too, like Phil. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting rabbit hole to go down once you uh, <laughs> take that journey. Yes. But it it's truly amazing how, you've been influenced by experience with some of these such historical and influential women, especially in the game of golf. Not everybody gets that opportunity. I would, I would say I'm very lucky. You know, at, at 15 years of age, I remember being at a tournament in uh, Wisconsin and, and my dad's going to caddy for me in the practice round. And, you know, he's like, he's all my whole life. I heard Alice did this and Alice did that, you know, at 15, you're kind of like, well, what do you really care about what Alice did? And we get to the golf course and my dad's rushing to the tee and he's like, Jana, we got to get to the tee. And I'm like, dad, I got 45 minutes. So my friends are coming. We don't need to rush to the tee. Well, long story short, Alice O'Neill Dye was there. So I actually got to meet her that day and I played my practice round with her. And as it turns out, I was ended up qualifying for the championship flight. And um, my my I'm I can't wait to get home and tell my dad about my match that I won the first match and I'm going to play the next day. But what I'm really excited about is the cute caddy that is going to 
asked me to go to the movies with him and I got to figure out how my dad's going to let that happen. And um, he's like, well, you know, how'd it go? Oh, I won my match, dad. And well, who do you play tomorrow? And I'm like, I don't know. It's some old lady. She has three names to her name. I've never heard of this before. And it was Peggy Kirk Bell was who it was. <laughs> and uh, so I ended up beating her the next day on the 18th hole. She gave me a putt and uh, I, and I had not played much match play. So I didn't really even understand how that happened because I literally played my tournaments wherever my dad's business was. That's the way I got to go to tournaments. So, um, so just, you know, I get to tell stories like that and I'm really blessed. My daughter has grown up um, around the game of golf and is an extremely good and talented golfer, probably more talented than me. And um, she loves that part of the history of it too. And, so just the chance again to pass it on to these uh, younger people and understand all the sacrifices that that a lot of these people did for them to have the chance to do this. Even Carol Johnson um, used to teach with us at Pine Needles. And, you know, she was the I believe the first women's golf coach at University of Cincinnati and was coaching around the time that I was playing before they dropped the program. And um, just to know all the work that she laid the foundation so that I can do what I'm doing today. And, and my hope and dream is that when I finally retire that, you know, I've done that for the next person coming in and Lasanaville is a big part of that. That's a, a great stomping ground for us to be at. And it's uh, hopefully that'll continue to carry forward. Well, if you could, I guess, you know, talk about um, Lasanaville a little bit. I mean, I know, I worked actually worked at Lasanaville between like 2014 through about 1920, uh, pretty consistently through 2018, 19. And uh, basically, once you got there, there's a you know a nice correlation to uh, a lot of the facilities being updated. The the short game facility, they've you know made the driving range uh, a little bit bigger, a little bit better, and uh, the new chipping green. But um, you know, talk to us a little bit about you know what Lasanaville um, you know helps and, and, and does for you. Sure. Um... First of all, just to have something that we can call a home of golf. Um, you know, when you're in the business that I'm in and and you're looking at, um, you know, the record that the team has, then you're, you know, that facilities drives recruiting, which drives performance. So those pieces all have to be together. And being, of course, in this area, that's a huge factor, um, especially when we go into the winter time. So, um you know, that was one of my key things was finding a place that we could call, quote, home and that we could uh, build a short game facility. Because if you talk to the team, they're probably like, yeah, she makes us sick with all the short game practice. <laughs> but they're finally getting a hit. They're finally getting it and understanding it. But, you know, I think it was key. Um, I think it's been really a good uh, relationship because we've not only been able to build the facilities up for um, the short game area that's out on the golf course. We've also been able to help with the short game areas that are up at the uh, clubhouse. So it's, you know, it's kind of a give and take with the members and, um, and then uh, course enhancements that they've been busy doing. Um, it's always a blessing. They always ask my opinion on, you know, what I think about the different pieces that they're doing, which is great. The driving range, is key for us. Our, our goal is in 2023 in September weekend after Labor Day, we're going to host a, a college event at Lasanaville. 
And so I'm busy in the process of working on that right now. Um, and I think it's just the, it's, it's been such a great relationship um, just with the members. They've embraced the players, um, you know, as a coach, being a mom, I, you know, they go out and practice when we're not practicing. And, you know, I know that they're okay. I know everything's going to be, they're safe and sound and the members can't wait to see them and they can't wait to see the members. And, um, you know, it's just been such a blessing. And, and I hope that we've been able to give as much to them as I feel as they've been able to give to us. You know, I, we still do use Clovernook and we, and we use traditions but the second part of that for me was one of the factors was, you know, my team is very competitive, especially from an academic standpoint. And um, my players just can't really spend 30 minutes going to and from practice, you know, an hour a day with what they're studying when we have biomedical engineers and IT people. And um, so it was really important to me as a coach that we found something that we could really join and enhance on the club side, but then it would also allow my players to be able to get back and forth easily and quickly so that they can get practice and studies in. Um, so I think from my standpoint, it's been a win in every area that we look at. Um, and we just are excited what the next phase is going to bring, especially bringing this tournament into town and, and going to be working on that. It's been quite the evolution of your program. It sounds like that's, that's quite an addition. It, it it made a huge difference, and we between having that and now having an indoor room on campus, um, so that when those players are in their chemi chemistry labs or whatever, they can't get to practice, they still have a way to. We just talk about move the needle every day, um, so they have a way that they can still do that and and still stay focused on what they need to focus on. You know, if they're going to be more worried about their chemistry tests coming up than they are practice, there's no need to be there. You're not going to be doing anything helpful from a golf standpoint. So I think they're very good at being able to prioritize. And, and there's times when I feel as a coach, I just have to really give them some chances to get caught up on things like schoolwork. And even sometimes the strength and conditioning coaches will say, you know, your, your, your team's kind of deprived on sleep you know, what do you think? And sometimes we'll give them a day off just because I know they need to get caught up on stuff. But I know, I know this, I know that what the bear, a bear cat is, and I know that it's a grinder and does a lot more with a lot less. And I, I say there's a team that probably is, would be hard to find that puts out more than what my girls do put out and just trying to maintain their academics making certain that we're enhancing the community and the university. They do a lot of work with the first tee and, uh, and then trying to be competitive on the, on the field too. So I, all Bearcats work hard, but I, I'm going to be especially proud and boast about mine. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I did. I did actually want to touch on the academic part. You've been top 20 in the country for GPA. I saw 2019, 2020, a 3.824 GPA, which is extremely impressive um can you is it is it always been that way with the program or what like what has kind of evolved where it's like such a a big thing now yeah you know um about five years ago um i personally went on a quest to really try to delve into human performance and see what it is that 
we were lacking a little bit because when you can produce something in practice and you can't do it during the competition, it isn't a technical piece that's going to be a mental piece. And so really delve deep into Olympic models on how to think and, and how to get things accomplished. And along with that, I, as we talked with the players, it was not only going to be about golf, it was going to be about life. And they were going to learn the tools they needed to continue to be more successful in any aspect of their life. And it was really cool at the time we had a um, academic coach, Stefan Fuqua, who has now gone on and gotten his doctor degree. So I have to call him Dr. Fuqua. And uh, he, he came in one time after the, um, I think it was in January after we had really delved into this new Olympic model of thinking and he challenged the players. He goes, you know, you girls have done a lot of great things. Um, it, you work as hard in the community as any team. You have great grades. I, we're not saying they're not great grades, but you still can get better. And uh, it was really fun to kind of watch them take that little challenge from him. And that was the uh, year that we first entered the top 20. Um, and how they've progressed since that point in time. And, um, you know, <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny because you start, you start looking at players that, you know, they've got 3.6 GPAs and you're kind of bummed. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, we have got to have a reality check here as a coach. We have to have some reality check because that's a phenomenal opportunity that they've just accomplished. So, um, you know, they're just, they're just, uh, I, I kind of like, like, and how we talk about the golf game is every golf shot's like a homework problem and you have to have a strategy on how you're going to solve it. You're going to, you're going to run your solution. You're going to see if it worked. And if it did great, if it didn't, you can tweak it or maybe you want to throw it out and start over again. So, um, the academic piece really correlates a lot with what we think about when we're uh, working with the players on developing strategies for golf shots. So um, I think it kind of goes hand in hand, but I cannot be prouder of what they've accomplished. It sounds like a lot of evolution of your team has gone on since you first took it. Can you kind of talk about how specifically that your team and probably your coaching philosophy philosophy has evolutionized since you first took over? Sure. Um, I remember my first year, um, I remember going up to University of Notre Dame and um, had a player, Allison Couch, who ended up winning the individual title at the Notre Dame event. I remember walking back in on Monday and I run into athletic director uh, Bob Gowen at the time. And, and uh, it happened to be the very weekend that uh, Coach Huggins had his heart attack. And I was sitting in the stopped to use the restroom and I was looking at the news and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, what's going on. And so got all of that word and I get back and on Monday I'm, I'm uh, in the room and I'm talking to director going. And I said, well, hopefully, you know, I know it was a bad weekend, but maybe this is the first title. And I think it was five years that they had won. I said, I hope that brings a little something to you. And he's like, yeah, the next time, our football team doesn't win. You can coach the football team. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> I think I'll stick to golf. <laughs> so, um, so I've, since that point in time, you know, I'm real, I'm really proud to say out of all the things that um, 
we have 18 team titles uh, since that point in time. And, um, you know, it's just in, in the world of golf, it's just really hard to win team titles. And, um, you know, when you, you got to get four of them, getting it all going straight, four out of five of them, um, you know, it takes a lot. And I think it was two years ago, uh, we started the fallout with back-to-back wins and, you know, it's so easy in the, in the world of golf because we're considered a spring sport, things kind of slide under the table, but to go back to back, um, in a row was pretty spectacular to get started with the season. Um, so we started out, um, with some team titles, um, in my early years of coaching, um, had a, uh, some really good um, Ohio kids that played for us. Um, Hillary Wilson has gone on and played. She's qualified for, um, I think, three LPGA major events through the teaching division. Um, and um, Allison Mayborg is a local player who uh, still plays a lot of amateur events. Um, so just kind of the start of them and, and looking at how we're going to grow the program. And then I had a great opportunity to sit down with Linda Voldstead, who is the most winning coach in NCA women's golf history. And I talked with her a lot about, you know, how am I going to do this? Um, you know, I just, I, I was like, I'm not quite sure what you think the things would be. And one of the things she said is, you know, I think you need to go international and I think you need to look at a place where players will have more time golfing here in the States than they have at home. So we really, I mean, we really set out strategically and put together a five-year plan. Um, and that was to go after some Swedish players. And um, we had some great success with the players. Um, and she said to me, she said, once you get that going, then the American players will start to come. And it was really fun to kind of follow that plan and see how that all came about. Um, and I would say my the evolution of my coaching is kind of as much involved with the evolution of the teaching of the game of golf these days. Um, you know, a lot of players come to you and they already have a swing coach. They have a nutritionist. They have a mental coach. Um, they have a sports psychologist that they talk to. So... Um, a lot of it is really kind of being up to date on what the current trends are um, in golf and making certain that you understand what they're trying to do. Um, <laughs> internet and Zoom and Skype have been our buddies because we can actually communicate with um, coaches from home. And I try really hard not to cut off um, relationships because they've been really long and, and I'm sure they're very strong relationships. So I like to invite their coaches in to us. And then we try to share video back and forth so that we can make certain we're both on the same, uh, you know, we're all on the same page. They understand what's going on. Um, and our, my assistant coach, Brad Smith, he's, um, he's a golf instructor up at Heatherwood in Springboro. And he's been really instrumental in being able to, um, he takes care more of the video stuff than um, I do. And, and, the, and then I tend to do the communication, but we've really been able to, you know, kind of divide up our responsibilities and make that an easy piece. But I would say the biggest piece in today's world is just making certain that you're into the technical and the track man and, and um, 
the flight scopes uh, to try to really be on top of it. I personally believe we're too technical, but, um, and, and when you're out playing the game of golf, <laughs> it's kind of hard to be technical on the golf course because TrackMan isn't there to tell you why you hit it to the right. But um, it is something that's been really a powerful tool for us, and I think it's continued to help us get better. Now, you touched on a little bit there, but recruiting. How, is, how has recruiting been like, especially maybe in the past you know, year or so with COVID? Um, you know, what's, what's that been like for you? It's been a lot of uh, Zoom calls, <laughs> um, but you know it's it's interesting. I, again, I think one of the things as a coach I think that has stood out to me the most is adaptability. And in in the game of golf, I feel like that's what we have to do. We have to be adaptable. And you know, I always tell the players, listen, thirty five percent of the time you're going to have Coach Brad or Coach Janet with you. And 65% of the time, I have to be confident that you're making good decisions. So there's a lot that has to go into adaptability to be able to do that. Um, and, you know, when it, when players come in their freshman year, they probably haven't had a lot of, lot of people talk to them about, this is your higher percentage shot. This is a shot I expect to see you hit from this uh, situation, unless you can prove to me your percentages are different. So there's just so much growth that goes on that freshman year with these players. Um, it's it's just a uh, I'd say it's just an interesting part of the game. But when you're looking at your recruits, those are pieces that you're really trying to look at. Like who is going to be try, you're trying to figure out who is going to be the coachable one. And when I see that they're adaptable and they can adapt to having to communicate new ways and adapt to the fact that they thought we were going to be out at this point and we're not out at that point. I think um, that's just been a big key to us. And, and we really are about coaching about um, culture and chemistry. And we feel like the, the rest of the pieces will fit together for us. And um, I, we, I know both uh, coach uh, Brad and I are super excited to get started. We feel like we were, had really had a great chance to do some great improvement this year and, doesn't always come out on the golf course right away, but we know what's coming out of them. And, and I'm excited to get back so we can start again. So you try to find an identity for your players and both on the course and off the course. Uh, what, what do you try to get your players to pride themselves in? What you've talked about their academics, you've talked about their future careers and stuff. How, how do you really make that your calling card? How do you truly emphasize that? Because you can have a plan and mm-hmm. it can go, you can have it all written out and it just, it blows oh, up sure. in your face. Yeah. So how, how do you implement it? Yeah. So, you know, um, it's a, it's a daily conversation with the team. Um, you know, it's about what it means to put on a Bearcat jersey and, you know, in the sport of golf, it's a little bit different because, it's, you know, they may play four years and never have a single person to watch them play golf. And, uh, you know, they may graduate and there's never a senior year. Um, so we have to continually let them know that there's an importance on a daily basis about what we're doing and, and what the university gives to them and the opportunities that they have uh, through that. Um, so it's, it, a lot of it is just a daily conversation and and um, reminding them of, of what they're being given and, you know, 
the more that's given to you, the more that's asked of you. And we talk quite a bit about that on a, um, we probably touch on that at every couple of days. Um, and I think the other part of it is, is then just, is there connection? The more that they're connected, and I have a little saying, the more you know, the more you care. So it go, it's a two-way street. So the more that administration and other teams know about what we're doing, the more they care. And the more that we know about what they're doing, the more they care. So you have to build that foundation from the beginning. You have to uh, really help them understand that um, it's a privilege. And there's times as a coach that you know you have to kind of put the hammer down and and uh, it's always that it's I, I think of it kind of as an old adage, but you know the squeaky wheel gets the grease and and when somebody steps out of line, they sometimes get put back in line. And uh, you know it's it's never it's never a great moment as a coach when you need to sit somebody down and have a conversation and you know that's not how we act, that's not how we are need to decide if golf is really what you want to be doing. But yet I can tell you every time I've had that conversation, those players have stepped up bigger than anybody else. So I think it's just a, it's a great opportunity for them to understand that, um, you know, no matter what, they're going to first be a Bearcat and they're going to respect, they're going to be respectable and they're going to represent the university with respect and pride and if we don't see that, then we have to work on, on making changes. And um, it's just a daily task that we go after. You know, what are some of your favorite courses or places that you traveled to, you know, in your time at UC? Yeah, I would say um, two of our favorite. Um, we played uh, Hammock uh, Dunes for our AAC championship. I think it was five or six years ago. Actually, it started with the Big East. Um, and they have two golf courses there. Those were just phenomenal golf courses. Um, and we've now moved into Pinehurst, which is, it's always good to change it up. Um, but those, the girls, the girls did truly miss having the chance to play there. I would say the one that stands out. And if you, if you were to ask the players, like if you could only qualify for one event this year, what one would it be? It's going to be longbow out in Arizona, the Notre Dame event. And, uh, it's just, I think it's the week after we're there, they have an LPGA uh, Symmetra Tour event that comes there, and it's at, usually in absolutely great condition. Um, you know, I try to tell the girls it's not always, <laughs> you're not always going to remember, you won't remember your bad days. You won't remember mediocre days. You're going to remember days that you won, but then it's going to be the things that you get to do while you're there. And I, and we really, try to um, make certain that the players know that we put in all the hard work and then the getting to travel is kind of the privilege for the hard work that you've put in. So when we're there, we try to make things that they're going to remember. So at Longbow, they happen to have you sit outside under some heaters to eat breakfast and it's usually cold in the desert in the morning time and there's a fireplace going on. And then when they come in, it's usually warm and they'll tend to, uh, uh, play ping pong or cornhole out there. And uh, those in the end, as crazy as it is, those are even the things that I remember from my college days. Um, I mean, I remember, you know, some team wins and things like that. But 
I just really remember the experiences. And uh, so I, I know for a fact that they, every one of them would tell you Longbow was going to be their favorite place to play. What are some of your favorite courses in the tri-state area? In the tri-state area, um, I really, um, I like, I like Stone Lick Hills. I like the layout of Stone Lick Hills. Um, I think that, um, they used to have an LPGA event there. And I think from that a few years before they did some cleaning out of some different areas. And I think that's really become a great, um, venue with a chance to go play. Um, you can't ever, you can't knock your Kim Woods and your Camargos and your cold streams. I mean, those are always going to be, uh, you know, great places to go play. Um, I'd say, I mean, I'd say those are my favorite in the tri-state area for sure. Now this could be a, maybe an easier, tough question to answer. When you go on the road, is there any particular uh, restaurant or food that's like every, every time you go, you have to go there? Uh, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we were at Hammock Dunes um, for the AAC championship, down the road was Flagler Beach. And there, right on the water was this little Greek restaurant. And every year we would go, the girls would always want to go there. I think that one of the things that we do a lot that I think continues to help with that team chemistry and just culture building um, we tend to do some VRBOs or Airbnbs on the road. Um, you know, sometimes when you're trying to get a group of young ladies to be okay with the same restaurant, it can be kind of interesting. And in today's world, we have so many different allergies that, um, you know, you're always got to pay attention to that. So we do a lot of cooking um, on the road. And, and I would say, the girls' favorite times are like to get up and have breakfast in their own condo and have a good time versus, you know, doing other, uh, going to a restaurant. But we kind of, we just have our staples that you go to. You can, you always go to an Outback. We typically go to an Italian restaurant and then we try to find something that's going to be a local flair. And it usually involves something with shrimp tacos or something like that. I say, uh, Tom and I had some disagreements about where to eat on golf trips. That that's a very fair assessment. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you choose to eat in uh, Pinehurst? Well, we uh, the, the second year we were there, they opened the Pinehurst Brewery, uh-huh. and that was a very yeah, yeah. yeah. nothing like finishing up eighteen at the cradle and then heading over there. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> have you have you done the uh, track for breakfast? Our buddy Beeps has. That's on our you, list got to that's that's an iconic place and don't skip um, vetoes in southern pines okay yep <laughs> all right perfect make a note of that t-bone <laughs> i'm making note of it <laughs> well we got to ask you this question coach what's your skyline order uh my skyline order is a greek salad with no onions or pepperoncinis and a four-way with bean that's respectable. <laughs> it's better than the uh, six hot dogs with uh, habanero cheese from our buddy Eric Hensler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Coach, I did want to, I, I did also want to ask, we didn't ask about, you've held, 
I mean, you talked about it a little bit. You held a number of different jobs in the Cincinnati area besides, you know, coaching at UC. I know you were at Notre Dame Academy. It says you were a golf professional at Woodland and, Woodland and Dunham, where I actually grew up playing golf. Um, could you actually talk about a little bit of the other jobs you've had in the city? Sure. I started out in 1993. I was hired by the Cincinnati Recreation Commission, and my job was to uh, develop junior golf programs in the city, and uh, that involved running the uh, first LPGA girls uh, programs. We had those going at four different golf courses, um, and actually one of my favorites to that, I was at Pinehurst and up pulls uh, Melissa Yazelle um, from Tri-County Golf Ranch. She was qu- trying to qualify for the Open. She was one of my first signees for the LPGA girls programs out at Newman when I first got to town. So um, I started out there, ended up at Woodland and Dunham, and then ended up um, doing some teaching out down at uh, Reeves uh, during that time. Um, then I ended up uh, moving into manufacturing, um, not in Cincinnati. So it was with Lynx golf uh, equipment. And uh, from there, I ended up moving into coaching uh, Notre Dame Academy, uh, where uh, then I ended up moving into Cincinnati, UC. Awesome. Yeah. And Phil, uh, Phil, when I first met him, had some, had some Lynx irons in his bag. <laughs> hey, I still have, have a... my Lynx putter. It's my still one of my favorite putters. <laughs> those Lynx irons have a college uh, golf tournament win under their belt, so go. I got to keep them. You know, that's sick. They're they're iconic. You need to keep them. <laughs> See, Tom, I like that. <laughs> I'll have to tell my girlfriend that I'll have to keep them. That's right. That. She'll appreciate it. Me, <laughs> <laughs> Phil. Any other questions? It was a pleasure to have you on, Coach. Thanks for joining us. Hey, I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, anything we can do to continue to grow the game of golf is, uh, especially in this area, is something I always want to be a part of. Absolutely. And uh, thank you again for joining us, and uh, go Bearcats. (laughs) Thanks so much. Have a great night. Thanks. You too. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Bye-bye. Hey everyone, Tom here. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Second Shot All-American Golf Podcast. Please don't forget to like our Facebook page as well as follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SSAA Golf Pod. If you have any questions or feedback, please reach us at secondshotallamericanpod at gmail.com. And if you could, just please rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcast. And we'll see you for the next episode. Thanks, guys. (laughs) 